This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. And welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. And while we connect everyone, we will just give you a quick rundown, a little shout out to one of our sponsors, which is Witherslack Group. And they are a leading provider of specialist education and care. And they need people like you to help them achieve even more. if you would like to reach out for them, you can find them at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk and slash careers if you'd like to have a little look at some of the resources and support you need to offer a clear path to career progression rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. Now, I should see Mr. Rogers, are you with us? This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening. Uh, Thank you for that, Nathan, and once again, welcome everybody to The Late Show on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Tom Rogers, as per Monday evenings, 7.30pm. I am just one of 20 shows that we have this week happening on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, You may have been listening to Seb, who's literally just finished his show about two minutes ago, Um, and after me at 9pm, we've got Haddy. Uh, who is on until 10pm. So we've got 20 shows this week, which I think is remarkable when you consider that some of our hosts have been having a little holiday. So we're going to have even more shows for you uh, in the coming weeks and months. Um, It's always a delight to have so many people uh, tune into my live late shows. It's great. And I just want to thank you for spending a little bit of time with me, keeping me company on these evenings as the nights draw in um tonight i've got a special guest which is phil naylor Uh, he's going to be joining us in a second uh we are going to be talking about email and communication in schools um i've got a lot of thoughts on this that i'm going to share uh perhaps you have too uh we're going to talk about emails uh we're going to talk about technology i guess and its use in schools and how uh technology can maybe hinder or help with staff well-being um i put a question out earlier i'm going to read some of the responses to that in terms of um people's views on technology um and it was interesting because one of the key things that i was kind of hearing uh when putting out this question was thoughts on the use of of emails and stephen robinson who is at Mr. Steve Robinson on Twitter, uh, tweeted in, useful emails are concise and replace info dump meetings. Emails are misused when they demand a response outside of working hours and induce anxiety, or when they set work which cannot be completed within reasonable hours. And then somebody has responded, but some argue that emails outside working hours allow them to decide when to do what is asked by the email. True, but it also puts pressure on people to check and respond to emails, even if that isn't the intention of the sender. To a even more interesting conversation, as time went on, about how 
uh, people not only send emails, but also respond to them. And I know Sam Strickland made a comment on when people send emails and, and starting to think about maybe time slots when people are allowed to send emails or, you know, the idea that some people are receiving emails when they don't want to receive emails. So I think that's one of the things we're going to cover tonight, but it's a, it's amongst a whole host of other things. There's lots of things we're going to to look at and discuss. And as I said, I've got Phil with me now, hopefully. Phil, are you there? Evening, Tom. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me okay? Good evening. How are you t- this evening? Are you good? I'm very good, thank you, and thanks for the invite. Much appreciated. Are you ready to get into the meat of school communications? Uh, let's well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> let's yeah, see. A- absolutely. Well, before we do anything, uh, Phil, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about your story to date, in a nutshell, in education? Uh, yes, thank you. So uh, I've been a teacher of science for about 22, 23 years now. Um, I've been through sort of a pastoral pathway uh, up to and I'm currently a deputy head teacher. So uh, I've played our SLT experience for the last 10, 12 years, assistant head and now deputy head. Um, and also people may know uh, that are in the space may know that I've done a podcast for the last three and a bit years, nailed that to the podcast, which is sadly, uh, or not, depending on your view, has come to an end um, last couple of months. We did about 165 uh, episodes of Nailers Natter. I've spoken to lots and lots of different people and we've finished it all with a book um, which kind of pulled together everything that we had on the podcast over that time, coupled with a few opinions and obviously um, communications and emails was one of those. And what about your role in school, Phil, up, up to now? What's, what, what have your roles been? up to this point so i've been like i said i was pastoral really so i did head, uh, head of year for many years um, i've also briefly done head of department as well uh, into assistant head when i was led on various different things but the last two things as uh, deputy i was the dsl and i was in charge of behavior uh, etc and now i've moved across to do teaching and learning super now interestingly the reason that i've invited you on here is because you did you did an article for homework magazine uh, the title of that article was Stranger Things in Education, The Upside Down World of Email. And I found it really, really interesting. So you started off by talking about Stranger Things and kind of the harking back to the 1980s. And then you kind of talked about, I guess, the day of a school leader in the 80s. Now, I'm going to read back to you what you've written and then you can maybe um, fill in the gaps for people. But here's what here's what you wrote, which I think was quite interesting, which was the day in the life of a school leader in the 1980s. Morning, no mobile phone to scroll through instead of getting up, no emails, no pressure, freedom to enjoy breakfast and talk to family, no work-based communication, and you're unlikely to have missed anything. In class, fully immersed and present, no incessant pinging, no chance of disturbance or derailment, and full freedom to teach. Break time and lunchtime. Converse with colleagues. Without the conversation, starting with the wearing, did you see my email? Mark books if you must. Duty is not a requirement. The opportunity to sit down and have a rest. Meetings. The whole team engaged in discussion. No computers or screens. Shorter and more productive meetings with clear actions and time to follow up. Focus on breeding teamwork. Evenings. Your time is your own. 
you've escaped the tentacles of the Demogorgon. Gorgon. You'll have, to, you'll have to explain that one to me in a minute. Nobody should need to reach you unless an emergency. Work if you need to or wish to. Hobbies, leisure, family and recharge are possible. Right, Phil. Do you want me to... Do you want to talk me through what inspired this? Because you've said here, if a portal was created to the 80s teaching world, what would you see? Is, is that what you think people would, would see, maybe? I think with all articles, Tom, obviously what you want people to do is, re is read it and discuss. Are you it? saying so it was clickbait, Phil? I, yeah, I'd like to think it was slightly more than that, but it was certainly <laughs> something to generate a discussion, and obviously it did generate quite a lot of discussion. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're not doing a, a video uh, podcast or anything, so people won't be able to see my age. So I wasn't <laughs> teaching in the 1980s, although, of course, I did go to school during the 1980s. So some of this is drawn on from, uh, you know, experience third-hand as a, as, a, as a pupil and a student in schools in the 1980s. But it was. Yes. It was designed to make people think about what I think has become the kind of over-reliance on email as the, the major method of communication in schools. Yes. Now, interestingly enough, um, have you what's what's your experience been of email then? In your, in, you know, have you had a negative or positive? I don't just mean email. I mean school communicating because you mentioned there about colleagues actually having conversations with you in school. And before before you answer that, Phil, your experience of email in school comms, I'm going to invite everybody in the space. If you want to join this conversation, anybody can, and we would love it. All you have to do is click the little icon in the bottom left-hand side that says request. You can click that and you can join the conversation. What has your experience of email and school comms been? I'm going to ask Phil in a minute now, but if you want to answer that question, if you have a gripe about email comms in schools, then certainly you can just click that uh, button. And notice Andrew is here, Andrew Henderson who had some interesting things to say the other day. So I would love it if Andrew fancied um, calling in as well at some point to discuss his ideas. But Phil, what about you? Your experience of email and school communication, what are your gripes? What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, obviously, Tom, it's been many years um, since email came in, but I can remember a time before uh, email. So when I started teaching sort of turn of the millennium, um, email wasn't necessarily the main form of communication. I probably lost half the audience here, so apologies. But we're talking about slips in pigeonholes and memos and all those kind of things were methods of communication. So, you know, first of all, email was extremely positive. It was a lot quicker. You can get messages to people really easily. But, you know, I think my experiences are not really a school-based. They're more of a personal-based um, experience here. So if I just share a story that I've shared in the book and I've shared in articles previously was, you know, um, I've got two children. I call them Child 1 and Child 2 for the benefit of the podcast. But when Child 1 was a little bit younger, we were, used to play a bit of football. And I used to take him to play football on a Saturday morning. And, you know, obviously you got used to your own kids playing football, playing sport, that kind of thing, and you're the supportive parents on the sideline. However, this particular day, when he was into about his third or fourth game in under nines, whatever it was, was the day when I was trying to pay attention while I was watching the game. I was really trying my best to make sure that he did. And as he's heading to smash the ball in the back of the net, I get the dreaded ping on the phone. And my head goes down to look at the phone, and then I'm in. I'm in, and I'm reading the emails, and I missed the goal. But not only did I miss the goal, but I'm, he knew that I'd missed the goal. And I just thought, what am I doing at oh the weekend? You know, That's constantly. terrible, Phil. That's terrible. Well, this is why it's a life-changing experience, Tom. This is why I've been kind of passionate about 
you know, not, and I think we'll get to this later on. I'm glad, like he said, there's a few other people in there that want to speak. And Andrew, I'm very keen to hear from Andrew because I, I, I enjoyed reading a lot of his responses to it. But, you know, I would advocate um, some guidelines around email. I wouldn't necessarily advocate. But my, my, well, could I pose a bit of a counter here? Mm. I, I think Andrew's going to agree with me, but I won't speak for him. Andrew, are you there, by the way? Yes, I am. Good evening, Hello. everyone. Good evening. Well, you can, you can maybe pop into this in a moment, but I was going to counter this, Phil, with your kind of football experience of rather than a school or an institution saying you're not allowed to send an email at certain times, would it not be more logical to say um, we encourage people to delete email apps, we encourage people to not answer emails and not check emails, we encourage people strongly to do that in, in, in your free time. But in terms of the sending of them, I do wonder whether for people perhaps who are working flexibly or working part time or whatever, although, you know, you've got a really difficult family life and the only time you can kind of send. I understand the scheduling and email scheduling could be a perfect answer to that. But again, that that requires some thought and, and maybe a bit of time to think, right, when am I scheduling this? But I wonder, Phil, what your answer to that is. Would you, is, is that something that you kind of think you wanted someone to tell you to not do that? Or are you kind of blaming yourself? Well, I, I don't want to say this. I am blaming myself for that particular incident. But I think there are some things that obviously, you know, you can control for yourself. So I have made a conscious decision a long time ago to not have emails on a file. They've even gone as far as, and I had to re, uh, reload it up, Tom, for tonight. I've taken uh, some of the social media off the phone as well. So I have, you know, particular times when I might dip in or out of that as well. So I think those kind of things would necessarily be under personal choice and personal control. In terms of, I mean, I know Sam's been pretty strong, hasn't he, in terms of talking about how he would go about doing that. Um, but I've talked about in the book and the article, I've talked about guidelines. So guidelines of ways to perhaps work that are not absolute, not kind of dictating, well, this is what you should do, you must do at these times. It's more sort of guidelines. You know, things like, do I really need to send that email? You know, and I, I talk about it all the time. You know, how many conversations do you have started with, did you see my email? Well, could the conversation not just start with the topic instead rather than the, did you see my email? Because obviously <laughs> it, it, it could have been a conversation then perhaps. And then there's that thinking of, you know, do I need to send it now? Does it have Phil, to be can I now? can I just check something? Did you see my email? I sent it a couple of minutes before the show started with the... Well, you see, you, see, you saw what I replied to Stricko, didn't you? Because I, mean, I thought <laughs> I'll just try and wind him up there when he put that in as an absolute and I put... Uh, you, know, you should come on the show. I'll email you. Uh, Did you. I've just sent you some spam as well via email, so make sure you check that later. But no, I do. Yeah. I do understand. I do understand your your point. I I guess what what I'm getting at is, you know, who takes the responsibility for that? I I I know Stricko Master, um, and I love calling him that because he sounds like a super villain out of like some kind of movie. But Stricko Master. Um, did say that he, you know, very much adamantly says, you know, we, we want to say you can only email between seven and seven or something along those lines. And, you know, Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday or whatever it was. Um, Andrew, I know you had a bit of a kickback on this. What was your kickback on this? Yeah. So I suppose my, my broad principle is that, I mean, bearing in mind, I'm standing here leaning on a bookcase, literally holding a seven week, week old baby. This is something I could not have done in 
the education world of the of the 80s participated in a discussion about how we should run communication in schools without actually physically going somewhere and i think perhaps looking back at the 80s is a is a is a, is a really good device for an article but not necessarily the way we should run things so the principle going behind everything that i was saying and i, I won't delete those tweets and replies they're all they're all there for people to go back um, and and have a reread later the broad principle is that the person who wants to do the work should be in control, as far as it's possible, of when they can do that work. So obviously, you can't control when you're teaching your classes. You can't control when you're in meetings, um, you know, broadly speaking. But you can control when you're responding to emails. And if you say you're only allowed to do it between 7 and 7, well, if I get back home after an extracurricular activity and then I've missed my kid's tea because i've got to do my emails before seven o'clock and then i've got a free evening that just seems like it's it's not really about the work-life balance i'm no longer in control of my own work-life balance i've handed that over to the school and that's actually being detrimental to me unless the school is going to say well if you can't do it by seven then don't do it at all which obviously doesn't work for a whole other set of reasons. That's the broad principle behind it, and I know it's sort of uh, all the thinking evolved over a number of uh, a number of tweets and replies over over that conversation. But that's broadly it, I would say. Phil, what are your thoughts on that from Andrew? Yeah, I think it's a good challenge. I mean, I, just the question I'd ask for Andrew, and I loved his contributions that he put on the Twitter discussion. Oh, don't suck up to him, Phil. Just just go for it. You know, just Listen, tell I, it I, I, how it is. Tell, Tom Rogers, I've done 175 podcasts. You're not going to get me into saying something really controversial now, no matter how much you try and push that button. <laughs> the decorum of Naylor. Go on. Well, you've got this is how it is. But I, I, I think the question I would be is what perhaps would be the impact of some of those emails on the recipient would be the question for me. Because he said there that the person who wants to work um, should dictate when the email is sent. But what kind of emails are we talking about? And perhaps what's the impact of those emails on the recipient? This is where I think we go into a broader school culture. I mean, first of all, I think that that the recipient not dealing with emails if they don't want to, they do have to take that control. Um, and I know that that is a difficult thing to do in our always on um, culture. Um, but I, I think that's really the key that unlocks the, the healthy kind of work, work attitude all round for everybody that enables everybody um, to be able to work when they need um, when they need to work. But of course, if you're getting an email from your from your head at nine p.m. saying do this by eight a.m., it doesn't ma matter whether that's sent actually at nine p.m. or four p.m. It's still probably unrealistic. It's not about the fact it's being sent after working hours. It's the fact that it's um, that it's unreasonable in the first place. I suppose my my counter, Andrew, for you would be. Is it a that the, the kind of to play devil's advocate a little bit here? Is it just kind of better? And I think Phil would agree with this, but I'm not going to speak for him. But is it better to just have less emails? Full stop. So therefore, like, okay, someone says they can't send any emails after seven uh, because of the policy or whatever. I guess there would be an argument to say, would that then give that person the excuse to say, well? Uh, I, I couldn't send these emails because of the time restrictions there were. So therefore, tough luck that you haven't received this email because I wasn't able to send it. And therefore, is that then kind of, 
I, I, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but is that then supporting teacher well-being just by just by the sheer fact of saying we're expecting less emails to be sent and received? Phil or Andrew, anyone? Phil, I think I think you know what my opinion is going to be on this. And like I said, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to hark back to the time when things were simpler. Although this happens when you get a little bit older, doesn't it? But some of these emails, so you do your day, and obviously, you know, lots of people in the spaces will do a lot more teaching than I do, but I do teach a couple of lessons per day. So you'll manage to do all of that and everything else that goes with it, and then you'll return to, you know, office or whatever it is, and there'll be 50, 60 emails. And, you know, I wouldn't like to quote percentages. I'd be plucking figures from thin air, but how many of those actually need sending? And that's what we said about these these guidelines. You know, do I really need to send this email? This will be the question mark for me. So actually... You're right, Tom. A lot of the, the issues that are coming in terms of when you can send these and when you can't send these, what are the content of these and are they actually essential? There's a lot of people sending a lot of emails. Can I come in at, the, at that point and say this is really what, what I'm saying? It's not about when the email is being sent. If you, if you get back to your office, and I, I get this as a head of department, you, know, you get back to your office and you've got maybe not 50, 60 in my case, but certainly 20, 30 emails can come in in a single period sometimes. Actually, it's not it's about the fact that they're being sent um, uh, late at night. Um, it's about the fact that they're being sent at all. Yeah, but uh, so what's your point, Andrew? You're saying that, that those 30 to 40 emails, you, are you saying that, that, that a lot of emails are just being sent for the sake of sending them and they're pointless? Yeah, I think we're having, we're having the wrong conversation yeah. here if we're talking about about timings and this is about the it's broadly about communication and we could even talk about whatsapp and telegram and things as well but the, the broad principle here is that we shouldn't be talking about the times if the emails are valid emails with valid requests and if they're not that doesn't matter when they're sent they still shouldn't be being sent well interestingly enough phil you've written in your article a list of questions that people could consider before sending an email. So I'm going to read those out just before, and then I can ask Andrew what he thinks. And so you can maybe, um, you know, um, add in any relevant points to your, to your list that you've already written. But before we do that, I want to make everyone aware of some upcoming free webinars that are offered by Witherslack Group. You've got one coming up very soon, actually, on the 7th of September, which is supporting parents and carers. So this is Aaron Hutchinson, who's a therapeutic practitioner and trainer for the ADHD Foundation, who is offering advice and support to help with the transition back to school. I mean, for me, that would be an interesting one for teachers too. Um, you can find this at witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash support and events forward slash webinars, or just go to witherslackgroup.co.uk and at the top it says events, and you click on there and you can see webinars. So there's that one on the 7th, which looks really interesting, and it's free. You've then got another one on the 13th of September, which is Strategies to Support Dyslexia. Again, live webinar, completely free. Rachel Varney, Therapeutic Senko for the ADHD Foundation, offering advice and support to parents and carers of neurodiverse children and young people. You can sign up on the website. 20th of September, Supporting Parents and Carers autism and teens 29th of september supporting an adhd learner uh, 30th of september uh, we've got a live special educational needs podcast from with the slack group um yeah 
So, I mean, check these out. They're all free and they're all listed under webinars on the on the Witherslack Group website. Do check it out. I'm sure Nathan will, will pin uh, a relevant tweet to those at some point as well, maybe, if I'm lucky. Uh, right, let's read Phil's list and see what people think. Number one, do I really need to send this email? How many conversations start with, did you get my email? Number two, do I have to send it now? Number three, can I solve this issue by waiting and asking the person face to face? Number four, does every single member of staff need to read it? I love an email that goes to all staff by accident. I absolutely love it. Please don't stop doing that, people. Please keep sending those emails. Um, some schools have adopted an email window. Yes, they have. Number five, no emails should be sent between the hours of 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. from Monday to Thursday. So is that number five, Phil? Is that is that what, because you're saying this should happen. Um, no emails should be sent between the hours of 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. from Monday to Thursday. I'm wondering why you've chosen those hours, first of all. Uh, right, thanks, Tom. The, the reason for that is, is the, the book is uh, an amalgamation of many conversations, and some of the best conversations that I've had on the podcast um, have uh, obviously made it onto the cutting room floor. So I've actually kind of made a, an amalgamation of yeah. people who've, who've discussed this. Uh, so this is this, this is a hypothetical um, discussion about what people might do. So yeah, those hours could be movable for different places. Uh, well, Tom, I don't want to become a, like the, the presenter and taking over the show because you know this is what we do, but. Can we? Is Jeff available to speak? Because the comment that he's just put in there fits perfectly with what we're just talking about. And Jeff's done a tweet uh, in the space that talks about when he went, in his words, he went rogue a couple of years ago uh, and stopped responding to emails. So I'd love, if it's right with you, Tom, to find out what he thought. We'll bring him in. We'll bring him in. Six, no emails should be sent after 5 p.m. on a Friday. This email window could apply in term time and during holiday periods, but what about if you want to work outside the window? The good news is that it's still possible to work on emails outside of the window for teachers who wish to do so and for whom this fits better with their working lives. Teachers should always consider the before sending email questions first. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to read that again. No email should be sent after 5 p.m. on a Friday. This email window could apply in term time and during holiday periods, but what about if you want to work outside the window? The good news is that's still possible to work on emails outside the window for teachers who wish to do so. But I guess it's not possible for them to send an email, is it? They'd have to schedule it, um, I guess. Number seven, write out the email, store it in your drafts, and then send it in the morning. Uh, number eight, alternatively, most email uh, providers have a delay send facility. Yeah, so like scheduling. And this allows you to schedule email days in advance. Um, Andrew, is that something that you would kind of like um, go along with, the, the, the idea of scheduling emails? Rather I, than I, I think it, it, it depends on, on what you're saying and, uh, and why. <laughs> I mean, in terms of taking control of your own workload, something I've done um, over the uh, over the holidays is if I'm taking a day to do some work, um, I will schedule all the emails I write and reply to go at five pm so that I'm not disturbed um, uh, by before I finish. And that's you know that's quite selfish in many ways. Um, but in terms of generally delaying delivery, the problem with that could be that if somebody delays delivery of an email to me that they're writing at say six o'clock Friday to avoid the the Friday evening 
issue. They write it at six o'clock Friday, and so they set it to come to me at 7 a.m. Monday. Now, I might have been able to deal with it on Sunday afternoon, but I won't be able to deal with it on Monday morning. And so it again becomes about the, the sort of the total workload, because as teachers, when we get to our working hours, you know, in inverted commas, um, we're absolutely pacing it through a day quite often. If you've got a, a full teaching day on a Monday, that means that instead of relaxedly doing it on Sunday afternoon, maybe having cracked open a beer or something, you're doing it in a rush on Monday night to try and get it in before 7pm. It doesn't feel like the healthiest way of proceeding for the recipient of the email because they're not in, again, they're not in control of when they get that email. You've sent it, you've done the work, but you're sending it to them for them to deal with it in a rush later rather than perhaps at leisure. We've had a really interesting tweet here from uh, from James Wilson, um, who I believe, according to his bio as a head teacher, emails are becoming the most toxic part of the workplace. Uh, but AJP Henderson is right. They are also an indicator of workload pressures. Uh, so that's a tweet. I've, I've pinned that, I think, to the space as well, or I'll do that in a second. Hang on a minute. Let me do that so people can read that. Uh, Jeff, do you want to just... Uh, I know Phil has requested you, so do you want to kind of um, expand on your point? Yeah, just a really quick one. I was just getting sick and tired of all uh, the informal requests that I used to get. Uh, so, for example, I'm quite a sociable person, so I would often get lots of emails. Can you find this resource? Can you, uh, can you help me find this document? Things like this. And it used to just take up so much time and maybe maybe sometimes people use a, use emails again when they can quickly find something themselves. Of course, I still reply to my uh, more serious emails, but I basically just cut out all these snappy informal emails really quickly. It was a little bit rogue. Mm. Uh, Phil, does that kind of... Yeah, does that give you what you wanted? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously Andrew's point as well does because you yeah. know, it's again, but it's again back to that idea that if it's essential, then you know, obviously, at the first port of call, try and find the person, and then you, you will have to send the email. But giving you that self that time, I mean, the delay send button has also been quite interesting, hasn't it, on the comments because people report that it's not very reliable, people report that it doesn't work, and mm -hmm. I'd be really interested to hear people in the space think about, you know, do you prefer to get lots of emails at eight o'clock on a Monday morning, and does that actually? exacerbate a lot of the issues in terms of thinking well i know i'm coming back into school first thing on monday morning and i know that the first thing when i turn my computer on is going to be x number of emails so i'm not sure that the delay send button um solves the problems in itself but it might at least give an option to think about right do i actually have to send this if i put it on delay quite often people that i've spoken to on the podcast will go back and think right actually no i didn't need to send that email and mm -hmm. they remove it from they remove it from the drafts they won't yeah. actually send it you know, and yeah. you drafted an email three, four, five times to think, well, actually, I didn't need to send that, or I can go and speak to that person. So, yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what? This is a slight side point, but do you know what one of the worst emails I think there is? Is the Friday afternoon, oh, can I have a quick word with you um, on Monday? That's just like, I, I've had that once, and it, it, like, honestly, that weekend, I was like, a wreck. <laughs> I think it's like the worst. It's like, am I going to get fired? Have you ever had that? 
Well, can I can I share one from the book again, Tom? He says in his second shameless plug already in one podcast. It's actually but, been four now, Phil. We we know you've got a book out. <laughs> we, we we pick that up. But if you need to keep referencing it in every sentence, then keep going. Go. Yeah, and yes, I'm actually currently wearing a billboard trying to say that as well. Yeah. Um, Toby Salt, who was in there, actually talked about this, and he actually was seeing it from both sides. So he's been a CEO of a big academy trust, and he actually talked about this idea that you know, as a leader, the timing of your emails will be sending a message you may not even be aware of so to you an email pinged at 10 p.m with a reminder that you want to catch up the next day is just a way of making sure that you don't forget to do something to an employee a 10 p.m email from the ceo may be interpreted as a sure sign they're about to be fired meaning they were worry sick all night setting boundaries for leaders is therefore good so i think that plays to the point that you're talking about there tom because you know depending on your position within school those emails could be just a, a catch-up or just see how you're getting on tomorrow morning but it could also be something that like you said makes you think about that for the full weekend or the evening, whatever it might be. Andrew, what, what are some of the worst emails you've ever got? Have you had any really bad ones? Yeah, I think I think that can I just have a word with you by somebody who, who sends the email and then leaves their office for four hours. <laughs> yes. um, uh, at, the, at, the, at the top of it there. Um, and, you know, we've all had the, the, the shock. I mean, just take it away from uh, it being about, uh, teachers emailing each other or staff emailing each other oh. um, there's a there's another um uh, yes. issue perhaps to discuss which is parents emailing in yes. um, and you get a thousand word email from a parent and you have a 48 hour turnaround policy and you know i've seen i've worked in a place where um, we had um a policy which we told to teachers which was two working days to turn around an email but we told parents it was 48 hours and especially if you're part-time for everybody, including weekends, that's two different things, and uh, it'd be interesting to sort of see how that affects people. Because I've worked in um, my last two schools where, and it's been largely positive. Um, parents have known the teachers' email addresses because they've been instructed yes. in an obvious way. You know, yes. A. Henderson, that's me. Everybody knows my email address. Yeah. They know where I work. Um, uh, but but actually, there are schools where I know I know one um, not too far away from me um, that actually makes all queries go through um, a kind of a student services reception desk, right? Type kind of effort, and then it's forwarded to the teacher or bounced back as something that shouldn't have been asked for. Um, so it, it, it'd be interesting to see if other people have have, have had an issue with with parental emails because that's probably really where um, I would say most of the stress comes from. Because with my colleagues, I can go and see them if they've misworded something. With parents, it's a bit more difficult and you don't know whether it's about to become a complaint. It might have been copied to the head already as a power play and, and so on. Mm. Interesting. I mean, I think the... I, the, I, uh, on, in the different schools I've worked in, the email from parents' culture has been has been different. And I think that's been based largely or quite a lot on um, the culture of the school in general and their kind of outward-facing model towards, you know, towards parents and the community. So, in other words, um, in some schools, I guess parents were almost encouraged to, <laughs> you know, to kind of complain and, and, and have their say and all that kind of jazz. Um, they were almost encouraged to do that, which in some ways, I guess, some people might argue is a good thing. But it, it then would open up to, I guess, lots of different situations there with teachers receiving emails that were, well, for want of a better word, 
nasty, you know. Um, we've got a Donut Politico. Donut Politico, are you there? I am, Tom. Do you want to make a comment on this whole email? I thing? would love to because I've changed the I've changed the title of the space to bad email you've bad emails you've received in school. Um, so I was just going to jump in on the parental emails thing. Um, yeah. I just think, if I'm truly honest, parents have a little bit too much contact with us now. We're too easy for them to contact mm -hmm. about really minor things. So if you, for example, I've given a child a, a C1, which is like a, a negative on the reward system for being late. And then the, the parent wants to email about why did my child have this? And I just think it's so over the most minor things. I'm always there if it's like a child with dyslexia needs more help, but over really simple things they need an answer from you immediately and it's not yeah. possible have you had like emails that have almost implied if you don't answer in the next 30 minutes i'm going to make like an official complaint type emails i know i have in the past i have as well and it's it's never the serious things it's always the really small things like giving them a late and the parent doesn't agree and it's like but you're not in school with them <laughs> yeah I, I, indeed and what what i mean usually what are these? You mentioned, I think that's a really interesting question you asked. You asked, is it now a case that parents have too much contact with individual teachers? So what I'm asking you there, Donut, yeah. what has led you to ask that question? What, 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 and what's making you ask that question? Um, I think it's the fact that obviously these are their children, the most important people in the world. Um, but I know I all, the only contact my parents would have had with the teachers would have been at um, a parents' evening. And if the teacher said she doesn't do her homework or she answered back to me once, I was the one in trouble. Whereas now the children go home and it's it's almost like parents are so defensive of their children, they have to come to you first. And that just wasn't a thing. And they want the first word. Mm. They want the first word and the last word. Yeah. Um, Phil, what are your thoughts on this? Do you, do you think parents have too much opportunity to contact teachers now? You muted, Phil. Phil's not there. Andrew, are you there? What are yes, I, yes, I am. I, I have mixed feelings about this because I've had some really negative experiences and also some really positive experiences, um, especially um, thinking about um, uh, uh, things like um, Zoom calls over lockdown, which really gave me an insight mm -hmm. into how the, the, uh, the, the children's lives were, um, uh, which really helped understand the positions they were in. Um, and to bring another sort of bonus uh, from technology that wasn't available in the 80s probably wasn't available in the in the teens um in online parents evenings um uh, at my current school we found that that increases the number of parents that we have contact with and broadly we found that to be very positive um, mm -hmm. so uh, if it's just about emails I don't know, but the, the broad idea of increasing the number of parents that you can contact, have contact with, um, uh, I think is probably positive. Jeff text in again. I once had a member of SLT who used to sell, try to sell furniture each week on an all staff email. I've had that too. I've had trying to sell cars. Um, and yeah. Lots of stuff like that. It's been very, very entertaining, really. So thanks for that text, Jeff. 
Uh, we've got, um, what else have we got here? Uh, God, we've got loads of texts here. I'm just reading a few. Uh, Kate Hill PE at PE underscore Hill says, I bet you could run a whole show on accidental all staff emails. We were once all invited to a member of staff's return to work meeting. That went down well. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Brian Donlin has messaged in. Uh, big thing for me is what emails are being used for. If it's to pass on pass non-tying critical information, they're fine. But if they're being used to generate or communicate tasks, they become problematic. As they, as with many things, it's not the tool; it's how it's used that's the issue. Um, Donut, any thoughts on those kind of comments? What about all staff emails that have been sent to all staff by accident? Have you had any experience of those? I don't think I have, but I have to be honest. My, um, I'm lucky. My school is really good with um, not sending out unnecessary all staff emails and even like um, emails for our department. So I'm lucky with that. My gripe is the parents' ones. Uh, law, law. Hang on, let me get the Twitter handle right. Well, the name is Law YH at Miss Al Rashad, I think underscore one. I think you tried to call in. So if you want to call in again, then, then feel free. The comment was about uh, uh, her school has banned all teachers from sending all staff emails except for SLT. And it's had a huge impact. I'm guessing it's had a huge impact positively from the from the tone of, uh, of of what she's saying. I wondered what you thought about that. Maybe Phil's back. We'll see if Phil's back. I know he's a... He's I'm back. Sorry, sorry, probably sorry. reading. The, he's probably reading the chapter in his book. But if you never, if you finish, never, never, never talk about it. Never <laughs> talk about it. I was actually going to agree with that point, and and uh, the the person you referenced there that's just said about the, um, the comments. It's not always easy to find people either, which I do agree with, and I think that's something important for for leadership in school to remember that it's all right having procedures, policies, protocols that say go and find someone and speak to them. But actually, for the classroom teacher, is that as easy? Um, as it might be when you don't have any free periods of the day, you're on break time duty, lunchtime duty. So I think I think that is a good point. Um, absolutely. Mm. Yes, another text in here I, from Mr. Rory Walker. I think ideally email should go through a central contact. So an email in the first instance, so staff can choose to then interact by email, phone or whatever. I personally don't mind the level of contact I have, but it is stressful if you forget we work for kids and not parents. Uh, Andrew, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? it? In in some of the schools that, that that I've worked in, that would have worked, where there's a a, a good degree of sort of central um, centralisation of of policy about what should be uh, dealt with by whom. But where actually you have a slightly more informal way of doing things, which is a little bit more like where I work at the minute, everything gets done, and there's a lot more relationships between um, the tutee, sorry, the tutors and parents in particular, because we have very small tutor groups. You think if everything has to go through centrally, that slows the communication down. It does prevent a relationship being built up. And again, I think it's not necessarily about the, the the actual should you respond to this email now question or should you have to do this or at what time should you do it but really about the culture of the school if the school is expecting you to do certain things in response to certain 
pressured from parents and you don't have anywhere to take that pressure to offload it onto someone else if you need to then that's the issue i think all of these uh, all of the sort of centralize it or don't allow things between uh, emails between certain hours that would deal with the symptoms and not the cause donuts i can see you doing a lot of clapping um i'm guessing that's because you're happy with what andrew is saying yeah, I just think Andrew said that perfectly. Um, I also think another problem with parent emails is assuming that they have a nine to five, the time that they send the email is then after our working hours. And I know I know you guys have already said we'll take the emails off your phone. Sometimes you, I know we have whatever it is, 1,265 12, uh, hours a year, but you can't do the job of a teacher within that. So sometimes you are quickly checking emails to get stuff done and then a parental email comes in at 7pm when they've finished work so I completely agree mm. yeah I mean I've, obviously again I suppose this this comes back to the issue of um, kind of uh, people operating on their own schedules being able to send emails when they need to and so on and so forth I don't know what the what the answer is to that my view is and I completely accept that this will not be widely held but uh, I think Andrew agrees that emails I, I think that it should be up to individual an individual to delete email apps and um, whatever off their phone off their computer all the notifications turned off I don't necessarily think there should be a blanket ban on sending emails at certain times because I think that runs against flexible working, runs against the idea of a teacher taking ownership of their own workload and what they want to do. So if they want to do their work from 10pm to 11pm, but do nothing from 3.30 to 9pm, to let them do that. And then if they want to send the emails 9 to 10, let them do that. But then encourage everyone else that if you don't want to receive emails after 9pm or after 8pm, delete all your apps, pause all your notifications, and that is absolutely fine. That's my view on it all. But I do understand why people have kind of gone along the lines of banning emails. But I think it is perhaps a policy that doesn't give flexibility and ownership to the individual teacher that would be my thinking on it but i do completely understand why people uh, have thought oh it's a good idea to just completely restrict emailing you know what i mean like i get that personally i i understand because people like you said before andrew you know if you're receiving 30 to 40 emails in an hour you know maybe that could tip you over the edge so the idea of kind of just limiting emails in general i do I do get that. I do kind of get that, you know. If anyone else wants to call in with a view on this, obviously we flitted between lots of different topics here. Um, but if you have a view on email and communications in schools, anything we've discussed today, then do hit the call-in button. Tell us what you think. I know we've got a, a number of leaders as well in. So if any, any leader, school leader, wants to come in and tell us what your policy is, on email comms it would be great to hear from you so we can kind of think okay this is what this particular school does you know um to hear some examples phil i know you've interviewed lots of school leaders it's, i mean 
what's the gem if you were to put a percentage on it from the people who you've spoken to what percent what ish percentage have banned email use between different periods in terms, I think the people banning uh, the emails that I've spoken to have then um, experienced further issues. This is something that I thought perhaps we could discuss later on, mm. which is that if you now are not allowed to email within certain periods of time, but there's communication that's needed for various different reasons, particularly in the last couple of years of partial closure, etc., then the, the, the rise of the WhatsApp group um, was something that I was perhaps going to discuss and the department or whatever it is, WhatsApp group, and how does that work? So... And one other question I wanted to ask if there are leaders in there is that people, a lot of people have talked about it being a symptom rather than a cause and about shifting and changing the culture. So how do you go about doing that if you don't put some kind of guidelines, procedures, policies in place? Because how can you ever kind of change that if you don't do it? So if any leaders are in there, uh, feel free to come back. Interesting stuff. Um, Phil, I was going to ask you, you know, on point one on your, on your list, which is an excellent kind of think piece in terms of thinking about emails um uh, just before i come to that jody's just joining now so i might ask jody if she's got a contribution on this uh jody are you there hello hello do you want to fire in a point on this yeah i just wanted to talk about it from obviously i'm coming from a kind of a rolling out technology side of this and and yes. having come from a school where it wasn't just me, but I worked with the SLT back when I was uh, class-based on rolling out technology to help with this, essentially, which I'm not going to sell you, don't worry. Um, but <laughs> essentially, we have other ways to do things, you know. And, and when I think about it from an ICT brain, you know, we're talking about communications and we're talking about purpose and we're thinking about what is the right technology for purpose. And a lot of the problem, and people have touched on the culture, which would be my main point as well, but tackling that culture comes to thinking about purpose. And that, and what we did was we broke down the different purposes of different communications and thought about, you know, is email the best place for this? And often it isn't. So in terms of banning things like all staff emails, we did ban all staff emails and we moved those to notice boards so we had a learning platform at the time kind of one of the outdated ones now but um you know you can do that nowadays on teams or google classroom or even setting up a padlet with different columns for different weeks and so on so there's lots of ways to have some sort of notice board for your all staff type comms you know the hall's going to be used on wednesday afternoon that kind of stuff that people don't need to read an email for it's just a scrolling through the notices of the day or the week or whatever um which don't ping up necessarily on your phone or you can, you know, you can choose when to, to log in and check all those kind of notifications. But you know that's not going to carry any stress. Um, and then as someone was mentioning earlier, those kind of emails from the, the bosses, the SLT, we then looked at those and kind of put in place some rules around uh, the expectation, which I think is kind of part of the stress when you open a load of emails from SLT or subject leaders. And a lot of things in school aren't a major surprise. You know, we know that certain paperwork's going to be done in a certain term. So part of it was kind of putting the onus and giving the time to subject leaders to, to have more time to make sure they were prepared for things and not asking for things for the day's notice. You know, saying, you know, tomorrow you've got to fill in this extra form or spreadsheet that I've just created on a Sunday night and you've suddenly got to do it by Monday because that was on my deadline kind of thing. So making sure that the 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 leaders who need to send those kind of emails have the time to make sure they're ahead of time. Uh, and that was a rambling way of saying that we basically said you couldn't ask for anything within a, you know, a week or whatever it was for subject leadership. 
I think it was two weeks for subject leadership. But of course, they had to be given time to make sure they had weren't rushing to the last minute of their deadline as well. So it was kind of shifting everyone back a bit and saying, let's look at the key points of the term, make sure everyone's prepared in advance so nothing comes as a surprise. So then when an email comes in, either it's nothing to worry about or you put urgent in the subject line because it is something that you can't help, like Ofsted have suddenly called or, or whatever, because certain things in schools can't be helped. But it, it's just kind of thinking about and categorizing and thinking about those emails and making sure they only go to the, the right people, that they are timely wherever possible. And anything that doesn't need to be an email has another place to be, i.e. the notice board. So probably a bit rambling. But Jody, I'm so... Jody, I'm so sorry for laughing there. I wasn't actually laughing at what you were saying. I'm laughing at, at someone's tweet. It's Gareth Letton who's tweeted, lost jumper emails. It's blue and it's age seven to eight. They are amazing. Those emails are absolutely, it just reminded me of probably like the first few years of my career, 2007 to 2010. There was probably an email like that every like two minutes. Like uh, lost pencil case. Barbie doll on the side. Which which could Anyone be one column on a notice board somewhere, couldn't it? Just lost property column. And it doesn't need an email to everybody. <laughs> but yeah. that, and that, that was the other thing I wanted to, to mention, actually, because those are the kind of the ones that come through parents as well. And as a parent, I actually feel like I have much less yeah. communication with my son's school since COVID. But that's partly because yeah. they're not very techy. So you're lucky if you get a reply within a week. Everything urgent has to go via a phone call to the office. Well, that's interesting. I mean, uh, I know uh, James has joined us now. He's a, he's a head teacher, so maybe he can, uh, co-head teacher, I should say. So maybe he can shed some light. James, what is your policy on email and comms? Ours is a curfew policy. Um, so 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock every day, which is when the school's open. The school building means that when the school building shuts, email shouldn't be sent. Um, it all came about from pandemic, I think during the pandemic, it was obscene. You know, we're working to email rather than working to anything else. So we need to really tackle it. Um, we introduced a, a notice board um, idea that that was really popular and worked really well. Um, it, I guess it. I get the idea of flexible working. I get the idea of, of working away uh, at your own pace. But I think it's really important to recognise that if, for whatever reason, you're working, we're a Google school. You can't turn Gmail off when you log into Google. You need to be able to switch mm -hmm. off, and therefore it becomes a bit of a problem. Um, the schedule send, you know, I think I said this earlier too, Tom. The schedule send idea yeah. now, I, there's not an argument. People still can work late. Schedule send an email for the morning, and it gets there yeah. normal time. If you need something urgent, then of course you break the curfew because it's an urgent email that needs responding. I, you know, I think that this space tonight is really interesting to hear different ideas and, and different ways of doing it. You know, we're going back to our email policy on day one next week. Uh, for me, the CC element of email is the next thing to tackle. You know, just you get copied in randomly to an email with no context, no kind of action. Nine times out of 10, normally what happens if I'm CC'd into an email is I'm then expected to act on whatever that email is and then nothing gets done. So the, C yeah. the CC element of email is certainly one that, that we're looking to tackle next. So how are you going to tackle that? I think the... The purpose of if you CC someone in, put at the top why. So CC James for your information or for info only or what's your thoughts, whatever it might be. But I think there's almost an element sometimes of a bullying culture with a CC. 
you know, I've copied in your head teacher, or I've copied in your head of department, therefore you must, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's especially so in staff as well as parents. Yeah. It's like, it's like a, there's an element of, uh, okay. Like it's almost like shouting something loud enough so someone else can hear it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm really offended by the email. And it's like shout it so loud, like the, the head teacher or some leader can hear it over the other side of the yard. It's, it's a little bit like that in digital terms. Um, interesting. Well, James, I mean, I wonder, Andrew is still here. Now, Andrew, you are adamantly against this. So I wondered what you thought about James, because he made some good points there, didn't he? Yeah, I think uh, I think that they, that they are really good points. And it still feeds into my, my broader point, which is that it's all about the culture that sounds like it's a really healthy culture uh, one question I, I i would ask james it sounds like i'm being pernickety but if we're gonna run a, a, you know a, lots of schools in this way if someone is getting an urgent email at say 6 30 but we've told people not to email after six o'clock are they going to see it yeah that's a good point i think i was talking about personally for myself there like, right. as you can imagine i'm checking my emails all the time um and staff know that if they need to urgently contact me they can email through so yeah i've never a member of staff that needs urgently spoken to will be phoned or will be contacted you know if it's a safeguarding problem or something like that yeah and uh, uh, the thing with um the the not being able to um uh, to work after certain times i it is sort of a almost a second order issue but if there are two people who for various reasons whether it's work or social related or just preference want to work on something that requires emails being sent between eight and nine o'clock um, and i have a, a colleague who i do this with quite regularly um uh, well after hours that's preventing that work from happening until it gets to during the school day but the reason we've left it until the evening when our kids are all in bed because we have kids of roughly the same age is precisely because we can't find time to do that collaboration during the school day mm. yeah and i think i think that's a really important point isn't it is that we all find our own groove you know, within departments, you find your own groove. I think the instruction for, for curfew for me is more about leaders emailing out. You know, I will work every night t- till late. And I know there's certain members of my team that I work with late on collaborative documents, emailing backwards and forwards. You know, we don't know whether the curfew is being kept to in the school. You know, I can, there's, there's no kind of button that says 16,000 emails were sent after 6pm that night. And staff might have that preference to, to email each other when they know it's convenient, when they know it's mutual, when they know it's agreed. But, but I, I wondered, I, I wonder, James, what you thought of, of Gareth's tweet. Because Gareth said, when I don't want to work on my emails, I don't open them. I have no notifications, so I choose when I work. Now, obviously, I, I know you mentioned Google, and I'm not – I I mean, I have Gmail. I mean, you can – are you talking about Are you talking about the Google Workspace on desktop, or are you talking about the actual Gmail app? No, yeah, talking about using Chromebooks um... – and getting notifications through. And, and I understand, I, I get the argument of people turn notifications off. I know, you know, and that's, I guess, my personal opinion. I check my emails. It's the last thing I do before I go to bed. It's the first thing I do in the morning because I know there's a curfew in place. I know that when there's an email sat there, there's a problem and something he's dealt with. Yeah, I'd hate to think, you know, I, I'm a worker. If I got an email, I'd work on it, regardless of when it is, you know, regardless whether I'm putting kids to bed or taking the dog for a walk, I'd get straight on it. So that that's not a problem, really. Um, it's just trying to cut down. I'm never going to do it. Everyone's always going to work in their own respectable way, but trying to cut down the routes to work. I've worked in some real toxic schools 
where Andrew's right, it's about the culture. It's not about the emails at all, where people work constantly. And you get emails from heads of department, emails from SLT, late, late, late into the night. And of course, if you're conscientious, you burn out really quickly. So it's about taking little steps for me that then tries to remove that element. If you've got a good school where good culture exists, it shouldn't be a problem. You know, emails shouldn't be a problem at all. But unfortunately, we know out there there's, there's lots of schools where, you know, toxic culture exists. Paul Foz has called in. Paul Foz, are you there? I am, yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Paul Foz. Paul Foz, what do you want to say on the uh, issue of emails? Well, I was just I was going to say, I mean, I've been primary teacher for what is now 14 years, probably in about five different schools. And I think one thing that I've noticed when people have been speaking is is all about the um, urgency and immediate return to an email mm. that's sent. And I think mm. that's I think that's probably where it starts. On maybe you're saying about the culture, James. Yes. That. Whereas we have our we have a work email. We have a school email. Um, I don't have that on my phone. Some people choose to have it on their phone. We all have an iPad each, and we can check our emails on there, sort of thing. But if, but if we send an email, we don't expect it to be replied to straight away. Same for SLTs; they wouldn't send something at night expecting for it to be replied to immediately that evening or very early the next day. So there's a there is a culture in, in ours where it's a little bit more um realistic and um a bit sort of um supportive in the fact that yeah. we've put it out there, you know, and we'll get back to you because we know that you may not be working at ten o'clock at night or looking at your emails the last thing before sleep. James, you wanna you wanna try stop doing that? <laughs> 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 yeah i mean so so you think um, let me try and paraphrase paul before we talk about everton by the way and everyone else can just get stuffed and get bored exactly um but before we do that um is this so you're you're kind of to paraphrase you're kind of saying it's like a cultural thing yeah. where where i'm guessing what you're saying is you don't need a ban necessarily is that kind of what you're saying with the well, there's, there's almost there's almost two sort of different um, conversations going in from what I've heard, and the fact that you were talking about parents. Um, well, there's that too, get, yeah. Getting in contact with with uh, with staff, so we have um, we have class dojo, which you know many people might have. I don't know, but that's where the um, messages come from parents, and then a notifi- notification will come through on email. Now we've said, or the head teacher actually has said. That we're not re- not to reply to uh, parents after five o'clock, um, as a, as a as a whole sort of thing. Just parents. We can reply to each other, and we can send emails to each other. Yeah. But the parents, if you've got some teachers who are replying to parents at eight, half eight, nine o'clock at night, then that puts pressure on other teachers to do the same. So that's the that's the kind of blanket rule that has been put across just for the parents. You made some brilliant points, Paul. Before we talk about Everton, I want to bring Phil on. Phil, what are your thoughts on what Paul said? Because I think he's made some excellent points there. My thoughts on Everton? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Be nice. For being, a, 
Yeah. Well, I can be nice from being a Wigan supporter. Oh, I that's not I think, yeah, I think we can be fine there. Um, so I've got a few, well, a few different points about that in terms of I'm really interested in how do you get to that culture? So lots of people have talked about this mm. idea of not having a, 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 you know, whatever it was called on last one. We've called it guidelines, but it can be called a curfew or whatever it might be. So how do you get from where you are to where you want to be without some kind of restriction in mm. the first instance? That That's what I'm really interested about. A lot of the conversations, you asked about percentage before, Tom, and I couldn't give you percentage yeah. necessarily. But I think a lot of the people that I've spoken to, particularly those that uh, are working in behaviour and things like that, have, have probably predominantly had some sort of curfew and some sort of procedure. But this is hugely weighted in terms of people I've talked about behaviour and secondary, really. Yeah, we um, we had in this kind of we've had a transition in the last um, two two and a half years. So I started about eighteen months ago at the school, who had very recently had a change of head teacher. He had been there about six seven years, and then moved on very like sort of instantly. Uh, deputy head steps in as. Um, as an interim head teacher, um, like bang, there's you know pandemic and everything else. She deals with all that. I kind of come in after that. So what she's done, she's kind of come from a position where their culture before she was head teacher was very, um, I don't know, strict. Is maybe one word might not be the best word, but it was very much dictator. You know, dictatorial. I think dictatorial. Yeah, yeah. And um, and she's she was very different. I think because she was under that, she didn't want to kind of put people under unnecessary pressure. Pressure because it needs doing, but unnecessary pressure because she was the one receiving that. So now she's permanent head teacher. She's kind of carrying on the culture that she would prefer going forward. And everyone's everyone's much happier and much more productive for it. Mm -hmm. Really interesting stuff. Uh, and I suppose I should ask you, if I'm going to bring in other speakers who we've got in a second, but Paul Everton. I mean, I'm very concerned at the moment with our... <laughs> uh, with our... Well, I've, I've been utterly depressed, if I'm honest with you, Paul, about it all. Mm. Um, to the point where when I was watching the game against Villa, I walked out of where I was watching it in disgust. Yeah. Um, we did pull a goal back, but I didn't really care. Um, I do think we are... I think we could have another relegation battle season. I just don't think I can take it again. The thing is, I think, uh, I think Everton is very much like teaching, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it is. We've got the people, the people at the top don't really know what they're doing. <laughs> um, and they make judgments and snap decisions that don't work. And everyone who's working really hard in terms of the fans and Frank or, you know, yeah. Awobi or whoever, they're all the teachers really giving it everything every day, doing everything they can without much support from the people above. And, you know, you just got to go with, you just got to, it is what it is, and you do your hardest, and um, and you give what you can. But it does make a difference to teaching, doesn't it? On Monday morning, when Everton have won. If, if the thing is, if you if you if the school 
that you're working in is grinding you down and your football club is grinding you down and your whole life is grinding you down. My my missus is sat near me. She's just heard that. I don't mean it's in, you know, it is. I'm just saying. Then it can be a right downer. But thankfully at the moment, I'm 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 not too I'm not too worried. James at the moment. James, do you not think we should have policies based on the, the teams that people support and the support that leaders should give them based on that on a Monday morning? I mean, I'm a Newcastle United supporter, so if someone wants to give me £320 billion, I'm more than, oh, more than happy to take that. <laughs> I, wish, I wish PE Premium would, do, would be that. That would be amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah, lovely, lovely. Andrew, what, what do you think on anything kind of Paul or James have been saying? Do you have any further kind of thoughts or interjections that you'd like to make? Not really, because I grew up um, supporting Sheffield Wednesday, so... Oh, no, I don't mean on the football <laughs> side of things. Like, I meant on the email side of things. Um, James has said, this Everton conversation is like an email chain conversation that people don't <laughs> let you leave. James, rest assured, I cannot control your Twitter. So you can leave and block at any time you want. You can mute, you can block, you can leave this chain. I will keep inviting you in. I'll keep re-inviting you in and CCing you in to the conversation between me and Paul about Everton. But yeah, James, I'm glad you feel like there's no escape because this is why you're doing your no CCs policy. I still want to hear more about this, James. I want to hear more about the no CC policy and the exact, like, how you're going to actually, like, implement that. What are you going to do? Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to know. Yeah, I, I think it's something that we've been thinking about for a while. It's certainly not policy yet. It's something we've clearly got to do a bit of work on. I think what Andrew said earlier. I do get earlier, it, though. Like, I do get it. I yeah, understand absolutely. where you're coming from. I think it's, you know, culture takes a long time. So the whole idea of a curfew, I think a curfew comes first. We get we don't get to a point where, um, Paul, you know, kind of school where it doesn't matter. You don't need a curfew. Staff just don't email, but you need steps. So I think we need yeah. to take a positive step as an education profession to say, you know, kind of enough's enough. The whole CC element is, you know, that email chain thing. It, we laugh, but it's true, isn't it? You get copied into an email. You don't have a clue who it is. Someone clicks reply all. Not sure why that that button was ever invented, really, um, <laughs> for most of the time. And then you're just constantly copied in to all the replies when actually there's no relevance to, to what you're doing or, or what you're currently working on or that you need to know. It, it's something that is minor it's to one or two staff and therefore they need to deal with it. It's the same my, with the element of a whole, whole staff email. But my favourite one is the one that Jeff mentioned earlier, which was where like a member of staff tries to sell something on all staff email. Like, I've got a second-hand Voxel Corsa. It's going for two and a half grand. And then everyone kind of bids in the replies, like on the all staff emails, like it's literally like like the whole school day turns into like an eBay auction. By three PM, this car's going to be sold. People are firing these bids in, and you're going bloody hell! Like I'm literally like I've got like this email about data or whatever coming in. And then I've got like the car bidding email. I mean, often I'll star it for entertainment value, so I can keep track of the bids. But bloody hell! Like, come on. Yeah, we had a, we had a good one a number of years, maybe ten years ago now where the caretaker was selling something on email on a Friday and someone <laughs> forwarded on an email that had been sent six months earlier of the lost property item that he was trying to sell. So that's, <laughs> that's, oh, that's oh, where no. emails are always quite good. That's where emails are good. You've always got a chain of what's been said. And maybe that's the, the danger sometimes as well. Um, you know, what's said on email stays on email, doesn't it? 
That is absolutely outstanding. I mean, was it was it like a was it like a secondhand school jumper or something? What was it that was in lost property? I think the non-disclosure agreement means a yes, really <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. But I do like that. I do. I like that, and I like the style of um, of going for the old. Oh, it's been in lost property long enough now, so I'll sell it to all staff on an all staff email. And I'll CC in the police department in the process. Brilliant, brilliant. Paul, have you got any experience of, of staff kind of? Have you, have you got any experience of whole staff emails gone wrong? Oh God, now there's one. <laughs> there's one. I feel like you would because you've been teaching for twenty three years. I feel like you've got some good. <laughs> no, you must have something in there that's good. Not, not twenty three. God, you imagine what it'd be like after twenty three years teaching. I know there's plenty of people on here who are twenty three years teaching. Good on you if you've managed it. God, I don't know what I'll be like after that. Um, no, I tend to be well. Being a being a blog teacher in a mainly female dominated uh, job, it's probably best that I don't see a lot of uh, lots of whole <laughs> whole emails and everything else because it tends to turn to gossip. I think if it's too much of a conversation, it turns into like a WhatsApp group. <laughs> I mean, I was going to actually ask about WhatsApp groups. Because that's an interesting one. Because I know there are some schools that have parental WhatsApp groups where, like, yeah, yeah, like where staff are in a WhatsApp group with parents. Sometimes I've heard of uh, teachers. I've heard of um, schools using Facebook groups. Oh, so you mean teachers are are a member of a WhatsApp group with parents? Yes. Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god. Yes, I've heard of a few examples of schools, albeit they were international schools. So I have to say there was a slight caveat there. I've not heard of this domestically, but internationally I've heard of that. I've also heard of ones where schools, I think I think uh, James mentioned this, is using like, um, like a Google. James, you mentioned like a notice board, which I think goes back to what Jody was saying earlier. But like, can you expand on what that is? Like you, you yeah. mentioned like a notice board. Yeah, we again it, it bore out of the all staff emails that were coming through during lockdown, and it you know it was relentless in nature. So we just have a, a Google Doc um, on the homepage of staff of the staff homepage, and it gets updated every night at four pm. And people, there's a Google survey. People fill in any notice they want on. The maximum amount of time it can stay on there is uh, five working days, and then it just automatically refreshes every day. So you have a daily kind of briefing sheet that's constantly updated. It's worked really well. It's cut out kind of the majority, say the vast majority of all staff emails and any kind of keynotes just goes on there straight away. Interesting. Jody, is that what you were referring to earlier? Just out of interest. Yeah, basically. So it's, yeah, it's that kind of replacing all staff emails with, with a place for people to go that doesn't feel pressured, doesn't feel personal and starts to change that culture idea of kind of, trawling through emails and i should say um that the, uh, the two schools that i've had to do quite an overhaul of communications or, or help as i say it wasn't just me i was helping the slt from the point of view of, of, of using the tech the right technology for the right things mm. and the notice board and we did uh, move to having one for parents as well because there is something about transparency there where if you have a parental notice board for them to go i think you know, as a parent, you do want to go to somewhere else where you can say, oh, can someone remind me what day PE is on or what we're supposed to bring for the trip? Or, 
and and those kind of things being somewhere transparent means it doesn't sink so much into kind of what you might get in a 1000 word email from a parent but yeah kind of somewhere that replaces the all staff emails and doesn't feel personal to an individual teacher and the first school I worked in where we did that was because there was a sheer volume of emails issue it was just walls of emails every time you got to break time lunchtime there'd be another 50 emails it was just ridiculous um, and then a, another school I worked in, there was a much bigger problem with culture, which is around kind of real, well, toxic leadership, frankly. And I've got a particular where emails go wrong story I can add there, but I'll save that. Um, oh, please. Yeah, so Tell us it. You can't say that. Uh, I've, I've, this is this is my biggest gripe. I've, I've put this out on Twitter before, but essentially a, a school that I quit from was after. And this this will just... I can't blame the email for what happened here, but an email came in saying, Jodie, you're needed in the head's office. So I went to the head's office and was sat down and told that my triple-backed borders on my displays weren't neat enough. Uh, now, I'm, bli I'm blind in one eye, so I've never promised I can do straight lines for anything. Um, and they knew this, and, and they that the SIP had come round and noted my classroom. Anyway, so I get a telling off with three SLTs sat there with one minute's notice on this email. And when I went back to my classroom, they had pre-prepped a TA to go in and rip down every display from my class while I was oh in the meeting. Oh, my God, no So I can't, I can't blame the email system for that, but that is the kind of culture we were dealing with. So the email wasn't the problem, but that's the kind of email we used to get, like, you're in the office now, or you're needed at 10 o'clock at night, you're expected to hand something in by 8.30 the next morning. So the, the notice board isn't going to fix that one, but the notice board certainly fixed the volume of emails we had at a previous school that I'd worked in where we'd use the notice board. Oh, my goodness me. Um, James, any, uh, any thoughts on... Oh, I'll go to Phil first. Phil, any thoughts on what Jody's just said? Oh uh, I'm, glad you've come, I'm glad you've come to me, Tom, because obviously those of us have been tw teaching for 23 years, as Paul said, we'll have to go to bed soon, won't we? Because, uh, <laughs> well, well, obviously... I think he's just he's just bitter about the fact that we've got Nathan Broadhead at uh, William. They could do they could do with a strike. <laughs> All right, shut up. We're not getting into that one. Um, <laughs> just a couple of bits on what Jody was saying about and then about other things is, and especially what James said. Is there any good use of the CC button? Um, a story that someone told me on the podcast, and they're an SLT and a, and a maths teacher, and they shared an example where. You know, if, if something was wrong, as many needed attention in the department, they'd be seated into every single email, whether it's about appraisal, whether it be about assessment data, whatever it might be. But the one that uh, they took great delight in, or it seemed that's what they said to me, the, the department was the one where the SLT had forgotten to do the data by the time it was supposed to be done. So the head of the department had, had kind of enjoyed sending an email to everybody else, CC'd into the rest of the department to say that the SLT member hadn't completed their data by the correct time and sent that over a weekend. So I'm really intrigued by what James was saying about the, the CC button. Is there any good use of the CC button? Because even giving information, you lose it all and you can't search for half of it anyway. Um, and the other one I was going to do, whether we can do a follow-up, Tom, on um, walkie-talkies in school. I think that would make it a very interesting conversation as well about what... Ooh. What kind of things uh, have you heard on a walkie-talkie? <laughs> well, go on, you tell us. That's oh, I could, go on. No, no, we've got to hold it back for a second appearance, Tom. Oh, come on. So, well, give us a give us a taste of that. Give us a well, I mean, I, I've worked in a previous school where there was a, a playlist on the, the walkie-talkies, which is quite an interesting and uplifting uh, thing to hear. Uh, not always when you're meeting with uh, you know your line manager. It wasn't always great to hear 
music blasting through the walkie-talkie. I'm sure people have got some interesting stories about things that have been um, discussed and picked up on walkie-talkies. Um, perhaps it was when James is, uh, you know, he's talking about his lost property, perhaps it was a Sunderland shirt for sale or something like that. <laughs> Um, James, have you got walkie-talkies? Do you use them? Yeah, we used to use them before uh, I joined and then we don't use them anymore. We find that mobile phones have better reception. Walkie-talkies are about yeah. three quarters of the school you get coverage and the quarter you don't get coverage is where you might need it. And normally, it, again, it's about that anxiety they sometimes cause. You hear half a message just read out on a walkie-talkie. We moved to Google Chat so all staff can message behaviour support if they need behaviour support. Reception can contact all SLT using Google Chat. It's much more effective than, than a walkie-talkie, a scrambled message from someone who doesn't know a child reading out what a child's done or what a child needs just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, goodness me, well, we've covered a lot. And, and Phil, I'm glad you brought up walkie-talkies. Um, Andrew, do you have any comments on walkie-talkies? I've uh, I've never been trusted with a walkie-talkie for one reason or another. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, uh, there was a nickname. There was a nickname in one of the schools I worked in, um, which was Corridor Cowboy. For people who used to wear like the walkie-talkie on the side, like a pistol, you know, like it used to hang down on the side, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, I've got a walkie-talkie!" Like, um, people used to call them Corridor Cowboys. It's like yeah. boom, 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 with the walkie-talkie, you know. But just just to go back to something uh, again about kind of always on communication, which we were looking at, it's, it's a bit like the walkie-talkie of the mobile phone, which is WhatsApp, which we haven't really talked about um, mm. uh, a, a lot. But it's and this is really interesting because it's it's really much broader than than schools. This is this is um, this is all sorts of um, uh, walks of life where you have these WhatsApp groups which are designed to be instant messaging because one of the totally correct um, criticisms in my mind of emails is that they should not be used as instant messaging um, and so people are now using whatsapp because that is for instant messaging but whatsapp is normally on your personal mobile phone and it's really difficult to switch off yes you can mute a group um, but mm, i have uh, some wonderful neighbors here but there does come a point if there's a dog barking outside um uh, the houses that everybody will go on the whatsapp group and say anyone know who that dog is and you think oh, no i mean and presumably they're closer to the dog than we are so they know about it and they're just not not doing anything about it and you think actually we do have those kind of discussions on whatsapp groups in schools i'll but tell you the other you good can't thing ignore it really the other you great thing it. about the whatsapp group is andrew that when someone says something like I think X, and it's like, you know, maybe not a controversial opinion, but an opinion, right? I think X, or I think Y. And then next thing it says, 0776-7853 has left the group. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's awkward. <laughs> that's normally me. <laughs> I love it when that happens. It's like, oh, we're really enjoying. This is so nice. You're so nice. Everyone's like proper piling on with like niceties. And then it says 08357 has left the group. And it's like... Okay, fine. Jody, do you want to say something? And is it about WhatsApp? Yeah, so I just, well, one of my biggest problems with WhatsApp, um, certainly where staff are involved, because I'm a, a member of a parent WhatsApp group, and it was set up by one of the other parents, not by the school. And I, and, and each parent was invited and not everyone Does chose to join. the gossip fest, though? No, ours doesn't. It's really supportive, actually. And, and particularly during COVID lockdowns, it was an absolute 
yeah. lifeline it really was and, and we, we're lucky we've got a really supportive uh, group of parents and a couple of people didn't want to be in it um, and that's fine but uh, essentially I have an issue with staff expecting to be added into whatsapp groups because there's a huge gdpr issue here which is you cannot hide people's phone numbers and as you say not only is that on their personal phone it gives away everyone's phone numbers so in expecting it and even if you if the school is leading it i think there's an expectation and whether you're a parent or a staff i don't think you should feel you have to be in something that gives away your personal phone number to lots of other people and there can be all sorts of issues as as we all know safeguarding wise and everything else and as an adult we're not immune to those worries and trigger worries and, and concerns whether you're a, just because you're a teacher doesn't mean you don't have reasons not to give out your your mobile phone number so i think that's for me is the number one issue um i think there are lots of other platforms and ways you can do that which are safe and are created for that environment that are safe and don't involve that. I don't think WhatsApp's appropriate. Fantastic. Uh, well, I was just going to follow up um, with anyone who wanted to talk about the WhatsApps because we mentioned before that people can kind of choose the times that they work. They can choose whether they've got those particular apps on the phone, so the Gmails, the Outlook, whatever it might be. But if there's an expectation, as Jody was talking about there, of being um, perhaps placed in a WhatsApp group, most of us have not got the choice to necessarily remove WhatsApp because we might need that for friends, family, etc. So how do we go about, you know, politely declining that in that if you don't want to? And how do how does that affect kind of the culture that we've been talking about all night if we're adding extra communication strands into an already kind of crowded workspace? Andrew, have you got anything on that one? Yeah, I think WhatsApp is um in terms of uh, use by the school, it's 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 the worst of all of them. You can switch emails off. You can't really switch your personal WhatsApp on your personal phone off when you get home just to avoid work things. It's like somebody following you home um, and sort of shouting at you through your letterbox. Um, if we were going to come out of this and say we're going to ban one thing, I mean, I think I've already said and written enough about emails out of hours, which I think is absolutely fine. But WhatsApp, that would be the thing I would, um, uh, I would ban. And in terms of, I was interested as well with all the listeners in the space about the people that have decided that, you know, if they don't work in a school that's got um, a curfew or a protocol, but they decide to remove the devices, sorry, remove the emails from the device, etc. Have they ever missed anything important in terms of meetings? Have they ever come into school and, you know, at 10 past quarter past eight and everyone's suddenly in the hall and you've missed something from there? Has it ever caused an issue not checking emails or not having those things on your device? I've I've definitely had that um, where I was supposed to give uh, an assembly at twenty past eight one morning, um, and there'd been an email um, seven o'clock the previous evening saying that for various reasons to do with the room, it wasn't can it was going to be cancelled. So I got in early to make sure the room was set up. It wasn't set it up, then decided to check my emails to discover that in fact um, the whole thing was cancelled. I'd wasted about half an hour. Is that one of the arguments then, maybe? And I think that the WhatsApp idea perhaps grew up during partial closures because it was obviously difficult to communicate. And I absolutely take on board what Jordi was saying there about all the data protection issues with that. But is it useful to have it there as those kind of messages need to get through? Because, you know, if you've got a curfew and you can't send a message without the universal sorry to email out of hours but... You know, is it is it there for those emergencies? What, James, what do you do? You have you said you have like staff's phone numbers, perhaps, or essential contacts. Not for everybody, but just if there's something really important, you can call this number. Thank you, Phil. 
Um, Lucy's here. Lucy, this is going to be the final contribution on this whole thing, so it better be good. Oh, Tom, I'm only here to tell you what a lovely show that you've done, but also I was going to actually wait right till the end to plug my show for tomorrow. So, Oh, yes, do. <laughs> yes. Which is really cheeky, I know. I did text you, but you ignored me. So. No, no, I want you to. Go on. <laughs> so tomorrow evening on Tuesday's Late Show, I'm hosting a new Academic Year's Eve party. You're all invited. And we're just going to have a chat. We're going to check in with each other before term starts. Just have a nice time, really. And also, if anyone has any ideas for on-the-go breakfast or snack boxes i'm really out of inspiration ah. so all welcome please join 7 30 tomorrow evening twitter spaces it's going to be good fun thank you tom so it's like food so it's kind of foodies isn't it well it's everybody because i think also we need to just check in with each other before term starts it's been a. Uh, you know, I feel like someone's yeah. just kind of flown by and before we know it, it's going to be back to it. But I uh, just want to make sure everyone's all right and that we're all happy and uh, just remind you all that you're wonderful, really. I highly recommend tuning in to the lovely Lucy tomorrow, 7.30pm, Teachers Talk Radio. Get involved. Every evening we have these spaces. Get involved, 7.30pm. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight. It's been absolutely amazing. Special thanks to Phil Naylor. Phil, if you're still there, Thanks for being my special guest tonight. Thanks everyone else who has called in and contributed to the discussion in such a wonderful way. Uh, uh, people have made excellent points, and I feel like um, I've really gained a lot from everyone's insights on email and communication. This one will be available as a recording on the link that you listen to it on, if anyone wants to share it on or anybody missed anything of the conversation, which was well worth listening back to if you just came in in the last 10, 15 minutes. Um, it'll also be available on Spotify as a podcast at some point in the next day or two. Um, so you'll be able to listen to it on Apple and Spotify and Podbean and all the other podcast providers that, that Teachers Tour Radio is on. So yeah, uh, thanks to Witherslack Group for sponsoring this uh, space as usual. And uh, thank you to Nathan for administrating um uh nathan i don't know if you're there to say that you're still alive because it's been 90 minutes of that i'm still here man i've loved it it's been a great show legend um thanks very much to nathan and thanks very much to phil and i will see you at the same time next week with sam stricko master strickland talking about behavior on the return to school goodbye bon voyage You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.